Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. We got to watch what we're asking for because we might be asking for something. If you get a no or you get a not, not right now from God, be careful. Because if you keep asking, you keep pressing, you can, God just might give you what you're asking for, and it may not be what his plan is for your life. And so we've got to be careful that we're really hearing from God and know what his plan and his will is for our lives, and that's why we've got to look right here and understand what that is. Um, but there's a back to the cross thing that fell out of my Bible. Do you guys want one? No, just kidding. Okay. I just might as well identify that something fell out of my Bible. Um, and so here they are. Israel had asked for the natural king, and they got it. God said, fine. And they got Saul. And Saul became king, and as he became king, we uh, read through the scriptures, and we find out that he didn't do what was right in the eyes of God. And because of that, God rejected him. So God had rejected Saul, but in the meantime, from our series, uh, our message last, last weekend, we understand that God had chosen for himself a king, and that was David. And God uh, told Samuel, go to David, I want you to anoint him king. So David was anointed king. Now, after David was anointed king, it was a long period of time before he ever sat on the throne and actually became king in the eyes of the people. Because here David is, he's anointed king, but Saul is still very much alive, and he's very much sitting on the throne and ruling at that time. And so here's David now anointed king, and here's Saul sitting on the throne, uh, knowing that God has rejected him. And so there comes a, a period of time where there's a great deal of conflict between a King Saul and David. And it's a great um, story to look to and see what transpires during that time. And, and we fast forward and all this conflict is taking place. There's a battle that takes place and King Saul and his son Jonathan are in that battle and they die. So King Saul, Jonathan die. And now we're picking it up here in 2 Samuel chapter 9, and David is now king. Uh, not only was he anointed king, but he is now positioned as king over the nation of Israel. And so that's where we're picking it up here in um, 2 Samuel chapter 9. And so it says here in verse 1, it says, And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness, show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now I'm going to pause. We just talked. David is the one now that is, is king over the children of Israel. Saul, the other character that we see mentioned in this first verse, is the former king. He is now die, he is, he is now dead, and he's not there any longer. He's the one that God had rejected. And Jonathan, Jonathan is Saul's son. So we see those three people mentioned in this first verse. It says, now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Siva. And they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Tziva? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show kindness, the kindness of God, to him? So we're going to pause for just a second and explain what's happening here. He, David is, is getting the servant to come to him and saying, I want you to go and, and tell me, is there anyone left of, of Saul's lineage? Is there anyone left from Jonathan's family? Is there anyone left that I may show them kindness? Now, back in this time, if, if a king came onto the throne and he possessed the throne and he was set as king over a nation, and if there was anyone left of the family of the former king, this is what they would do. They would go and they would kill 
every single family member that was left of that, from that former king so that there would be no risk of someone rising up and trying to take the kingdom back. Okay, so, but, but here we see, though, that David is saying, is there anybody left that I can show kindness? That, that, would, have been, that would have been odd, because at that time, the, the, the tradition was you get rid of everyone that's left of that, of that former king's lineage. You, you, you kill them off, and you get rid of them. But David is saying, can, is there anyone there that I can show them kindness? And, and the reason we, we look at that, and it's like, well, why is David wanting to show kindness to them? Well, because this Jonathan, Jonathan and David, the Bible says that they were knit. Their souls were knit to one another. It says in 1 Samuel 18 that the soul of Jonathan and the soul of David were knit to one another. They became best friends. Jonathan recognized that, that God's favor was on David, and there was, some, there was something unique about that relationship. Do you, do you have those relationships in your life where, man, it, you you connect instantly. Have you ever experienced that where you connect with someone instantly and it doesn't matter how far they move away from you. It doesn't matter how long you haven't been in touch with one another, but you come back together and it's like you pick up right where you left off. It's as if 10 years haven't even passed and there's something just so tied together that almost there are times when you feel like, man, I feel like I need to call so-and-so because feels like there's, I don't know, I'm just thinking about them. They're heavy on my heart today. There's something unique about that relationship, a strong connection there. That is what had taken place with David and Jonathan. And actually, in verse, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 14, is where we see that there was actually a covenant that David and Samuel made with one another. In 1 Samuel 20, verse 14 to 17, it says this. Jonathan is talking to David, and he says, if I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever. When the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord take vengeance on David, David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him for he loved him as he loved his own soul. In that moment, Jonathan understood something. He knew that when God cuts off the enemies of David, that that, that, that means um, his household, all right? He understood that, that, that what, what took place at that time, he understood that David was meant to be king. And so he's pleading with them, saying, make a covenant with me that you're going to show, show kindness when you come to that place of, of being king and sitting on the throne. And David had done just that. And so that's why we see him coming to the servant now and saying, is there anyone left? Is there anyone of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to, that I can show the love of God to? And so we're going to pick it up again here. And, and it says here that Ziva said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. Okay, I'm going to pause again. He's crippled in his feet. Why is he crippled in his feet? What happened to him? So this is, he's saying, yes, there's still one left. It's the son of Jonathan, but he's crippled. He's crippled in his feet. And, and 2 Samuel 4 verse 4 tells us why he's crippled in his feet. Because when he was five years old, this is when uh, his grandfather Saul and his dad Jonathan were killed in battle. And at the time, he was being watched by his nanny. And the nanny, who was meant to care for him, protect him, keep him safe, got news of what took place to Jonathan. 
Jonathan and Saul. And when she got that news, she swept him up in her, in her arms and began to run. She began to flee. And as she's fleeing in her haste and rushing, she tripped, she fell, and she dropped him. And when she dropped him, it caused him to become crippled. Something happened in his legs when he fell. He was injured, and he was crippled from that time forward. And so here he is, he's, the servant saying, he's, there's still one left, and he's crippled in his feet. And the king said to him, where is he at? And Siva said to the king, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodavar. The king David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodavar. And, and, and it says in verse 6, in Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, my, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? What, what, what is your servant that you should show regard for, a, for an underdog like I? Then the king called Siva and Saul's servant and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to, the, and to all his house, I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Siva had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Siva said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Siva's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table, for he was lame in both his feet. Let's pray. Well, we thank you so much for an opportunity to come to church this morning and to look to your word. And I pray that as we look to your word this morning, uh, we would leave this place encouraged. We would leave this place built up in our faith. And you would just absolutely uh, do a deep work in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. 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 Have you ever, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real honest with you, and I'm going to share some embarrassing moments, okay? Uh, have you ever gone to a store? And uh, you, you go to a store, and you go in, and you're doing your shopping, and you're getting ready to leave. And I've done this, and I've got my grocery bags in my hand, and the kids in tow behind me. And I get ready to leave that grocery store, and I get to the door, and I stop. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Waiting for the door to open. You know, the automatic doors that always open for me when I walk in and out of, gro of stores, grocery stores, Macy's, Nordstrom's, and I'm standing there waiting and waiting, and then somebody comes along and walks through the door by pushing it open, and I'm like, idiot, oh man, you have that, you know, I'm not going to say blonde moment, but whatever, you have that moment where you're like, hello, why was I not 
pushing the door open to walk out of it. But I've gotten so accustomed to every door opening for me, every door opening. I mean, it's all automatic. It senses the sensors. And so I just figured, well, the sensor must not be working, so I'll just do this. And at some point, you know, it's going to catch that I'm here. It's going to open for me, certainly. Or you, you go into the restroom, and you do the business that you do when you go into the restroom, and you come out, and you wash your hands, because all of us should be washing our hands. The sign says employees should, so we all should, right? And so you get to the sink, and you get the soap in your hands, and you lather up real good, and then you're like, And then you go over to the next sink and you're like, maybe that, one, maybe that one's just not working right. And you're, you're doing the, and then somebody comes out of the stall and they go, and you're just standing there going, oh, oh my goodness. I've even had my daughters at our house. Uh, my daughter had gone in and she'd used the restroom and she comes out and she goes off and goes outside and starts playing and I'm in the kitchen and and I hear the sound of water running, so I look over to the kitchen sink, thinking maybe I just accidentally, you know, I didn't turn it off all the way. So I go, and it's off, and I'm going, do I have clothes in the laundry? Is the washing machine on? Is that what I'm hearing? And then I realize, no, our sink in the bathroom is still on. And so I'll go in there, and I'll turn it off. Well, what's happened is my daughters have gotten so used to going to out and about throughout, you know, the city and being in these restrooms that have these automatic sinks that just turn off and on for them that they've stopped turning the knob at our house and there's just water and I just see dollar signs just coming out you know I'm like oh Jesus the bill the bill Lord you know but they've gotten so accustomed to the way things are done that they don't even realize that all I need to do is just push the door open it's gotten so used to that well, as we're talking about this underdog series and we're, we're looking at it, underdogs are kind of that way that they, they act in a, in a way that they maybe aren't even realizing. They do things in life that they don't even realize that they're doing because of wrong mentalities, because of wrong thoughts that are ingrained in them, that it just kind of has become a part of their life, that the way they interact with people, the way that they jump from job to job to job because they're searching for something, the way that, that they, they hold people at arm's length and keep them uh, uh, from getting close to them because of some of these underdog excuses that we're experiencing. It's kind of become a part of life and they don't even realize that they're doing it and with this idea of today of not being connected to the right people sometimes there are people that spend their life looking for something looking for the right connection looking for the right relationships and they jump from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship because if I can just find that right relationship and make that right connection with that right person then this is going to happen in my life. They go to job, and if that job doesn't work out, they leave that job, they go to the next job. If that job doesn't work out, they leave that job, and they go to the next job because they're looking for something. They're looking for a connection without realizing it. They've created a pattern in their life that just continues to go on and on and on, and it's actually, you can see it in other areas of their life, but they don't know that it's happening. It's kind of like me standing at the door. I don't even realize because I've gotten so used to living that way that I'll just stand there and I'm not moving forward. I'm not going into or out of that door. And, and sometimes as, as underdogs, when we're not overcoming these different excuses, we're living just according to the way we've always lived, searching for something, looking for something, but it's just become so natural. We don't even see it. We don't even realize it. 
And with the, the thought here that I'm not connected to the right people, we look at Mephibosheth, and, and we see that he, he has this excuse that he uses, even as he's presented with an opportunity that's right in front of him. Incredible, right? We're going we're gonna to talk about that in the moment, in a moment. But underdogs who feel like they're not connected to the right people, number one, have often been hurt by those close to them. Underdogs who feel like they're not connected to the right people, number one, have often been hurt by those that are closest to them. Mephibosheth was dropped by his nanny. The nanny is one that put in charge of caring for him. Supposed to be the one that was, you know, watch out for him and take care of him and protect him while, she, while he was in her care. But it was the very one that was meant to protect him and that was closest to him in that moment was the one that dropped him. And because of that, he was crippled. And in, for us and in, in our lives, Maybe you're here today and maybe you feel like you've been dropped by someone. Maybe you've been dropped by, by a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You've had past experiences of someone just dropping you and, and leaving that relationship. Or maybe it's a parent that, that just dropped everything and left. Maybe they didn't choose to drop everything and leave, but maybe because of a death. They're not with you anymore, but because they're not with you anymore, it's crippled you and it's affected the way that you interact with other people. And, and you, you, you don't realize that you've been, been crippled, but there, there are different circumstances that may have taken place, whether it be friends, maybe a spouse. And because of that, you're crippled. And when that happens, oftentimes we can do one of two things. Either we hold people at a distance, and we don't develop relationships, we actually avoid relationships, and we keep people at a distance from us, or we, we can begin to use people and relationships in ungodly ways in order to try to advance. Have you ever met a name dropper? I've met name droppers. Oh my goodness, I've gone to conferences and I've met name droppers, and like every other sentence is about who they know and who they met, and Oh my goodness, even in the church, I've heard people, you know, they, they, you, you might be talking to them and, and sharing about your week, and oh my goodness, we, we just had family night the other night, you ask them how their life is, and we had family night the other night, and, and you know, I made this great dinner, and, and then all of a sudden, the, the person that they're talking to is like, oh, you know what, I made an incredible meal, and you know, Pastor Melissa, she texted me her recipe for the clam, you know, the clam chowder, and it was amazing, and everybody loved it. It's like, okay, in that moment, what they do, they just said, I've got Pastor Melissa's personal cell phone number, and our relationship is so deep that we're even sharing recipes, <laughs> right? We're even sharing recipes. But they're, they're name droppers, People that, that, that are name droppers in the business world and have dropped, dropped you know, who they know and used um, uh, maybe managers or used individuals in order to further their career and get further and, and advance and go farther and, and sometimes not using and, and sometimes using those names in, in a way that is not right, uh, gossiping in order to advance yourself. Um, there are different things that, that people do when they've had someone in their life hurt them, someone in their life that may have dropped them, and that because of that, they're crippled, and, and they look at relationships, and they use them in, uh, in ungodly ways, or, or they just simply avoid those relationships because they don't want to get hurt again. 
Because, man, when you're dropped by someone that's close to you, someone that, 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 that you were in relationship with, someone that you trusted, someone that you, you, you believed in, and, and, and they've dropped you or they're no longer in your life, it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. And, and it's not that we name drop or we gossip or, or, or that we hold people at a distance just for the sake of doing that, but we do it because we've been hurt. We do it because we've, been, we've, we've got this pain that we don't want to experience again, right? And so because of that, we hold people at a distance. The next thing that, that underdogs that, that have this excuse of not connected to the right people, they, they, number two, are often hiding in obscurity. They're often hiding in obscurity. Mephibosheth was hiding away in Lodavar. He was hiding away in Lodavar, and, and for us, you might be surrounded by people. You might have all kinds of people in your life. You, you're here this morning and you're surrounded by all kinds of people. But maybe you don't let anybody in. You don't ever let them in. You know what I mean? You don't let them close enough to see really what's going on in your life. You're hiding away. You're trying to be in a place of obscurity where nobody will notice really what's going on in your life. And, and uh, sometimes that can cause us to like I said earlier, hold those relationships at a distance so that we, we don't let people in so there's not that fear of getting hurt. Um, but the other thing is it can, even within church, cause us to, man, we'll come, we'll be here, but I'm not going to go further. I'm not going to get involved in ministry because, man, I, you, you don't, I'm not connected to the right people. I don't, I don't know the right people. I have a past, you know, uh, these different things. And so I'm not going to get involved in that way because I don't really believe that God could use me because, I mean, this is, this is where my past, this is my past, this is where I come from. And I don't have the right relationships. I didn't have the right connection with God for a long time. So because of that, I really don't think that, that I should get involved in, in, in that God could even use me in an area of ministry. You know, there are different, different things that we can say uh, when it comes to those relationships because of this thought that I'm not connected to the right people. Number three, um, have a low opinion of themselves. Those underdogs have a low opinion of themselves. Mephibosheth said this. He said, I'm nothing more than a dead dog. I'm nothing more than a dead dog. I remember when Ben and I first met, and I did not know Jesus. I was very, 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 very far from God. Probably throw a few more varies in there, okay? I was really far from God, and I didn't know the Lord, but I met this guy, and he's a strong Christian, comes from a family of Christians that have loved God all their lives, family of pastors, and I met him, and after meeting him, I realized not only did he introduce me to Jesus, but... But I realize I'm starting to fall in love with this guy, and, and I, there, I'm starting to have these feelings that I think that, man, could, is there any way that I'm, I'm really, could this be the guy? But then I began to backtrack. I began to wrestle with this thought um, of, of, you know, I, I'm not good enough, um, and I begin to look at other people in the church, specifically ladies, okay? And I begin to look at them and go, well, I mean, there's, there's pastor's daughters here that are his same age. 
And there's girls that their, their parents have been ingrained in the church and, and have generations of believers and strong, a strong faith that are here that, that he, could, he could marry, that he could be in relationship. And why would he choose me? Why would he pick me? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just this messed up girl that hasn't, didn't have a relationship with Jesus so far from God. Why would, I'm, certainly he's, I'm not going to be the one that he's going to pick. I had a really, really low opinion of myself because I felt like I didn't have the right connections. I, I didn't come from the right family. I didn't, I, didn't, I, I didn't come from generations that served God. And so I thought, man, I, I'm, just a, I'm just an underdog. I'm just a dead dog. Why would he pick me? Certainly he deserves better. Certainly he deserves better. And I had that thought that, that, that I went through. And with Mephibosheth, here he is is standing before David. David called him in. And David said, I want, I want you to sit at my table. This is what I'm going to do for you. All the, the servants, the former servants of, of your grandfather Saul, they are going to serve you. And they're going to till your land. They're going to, they're going to bring in the harvest for you so you have plenty of bread to eat. But you're not going to be out there in, in Lodavar and, and, and be out there and eat. But you're going to come and you're always... Every meal, you're going to sit at my table. And here he is, Mephibosheth, just thinking, I, I can't. I'm just a, a crippled kid that was a part of a family that should be killed because we were, we were, we were part of, of Saul's lineage. I, I, I don't even belong in the palace. I don't even belong in your kingdom. I don't, I don't, I don't have any right to sit at this table. But David, who was, understood what it was like to be an underdog, who had to overcome this feeling of, I'm not qualified enough, that they went through all seven of my brothers before they got to me because nobody thought that I could be the one that God would choose to be king. David understood what it was to feel like an underdog. And he went to this, this man, Mephibosheth, and he says, no, you're going to sit at my table. And he extends to Mephibosheth what he didn't deserve. He extends to him grace. He extends to him an opportunity to come out of what he's known and step into something that, that was far greater than, than anything he could have expected. And when Mephibosheth sat at David's table, so awesome, guess what happened? His, his legs were covered. When he sat at David's table, nobody... Nobody knew he was crippled. Nobody knew he couldn't walk. When he sat at David's table, he sat there amidst David's sons. The Bible says he sat there as one of David's sons. He sat there in a place where he really truly didn't belong. But he was invited in and said, man, in that moment when he sat down as people walked in, they saw a son of the king. That's what they saw. Did you know that 42 generations later, there came a man, Jesus Christ, from the lineage of David. And Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died on the cross. He rose from the grave. And upon doing that, he made a way for you and me to come sit at God's table. In that moment, because of what Jesus did, he made a way for you and I to come and be adopted into the family of God. 
where we were so far separated from our Heavenly Father. There was no way that we could ever be a part of that family. Sin separated us. Our, our sin was so great that there was no way that we could be a part and have relationship with our Heavenly Father. But Jesus Christ came. And because He came, He came and He knocked on our door. And He's inviting us to open that door so that He can come in and He can eat with us. Revelations talks about it. He wants to sit down at His table with us. And in that moment when we sit at the table with Jesus Christ, our sin is covered. Our past is covered. Our sicknesses is covered. Our pain is covered. And not one of us deserves to sit at the table, but God is so ridiculous. God loves us so much. Not because of what you've done, not because of who you are, not because of the connections that you have, but simply because you are His, you are His creation. And He made a way for us to sit at the table with Him so that we could, we could now be called, the Bible says that we are co-heirs with Christ. What? We get to experience that inheritance. We've been adopted into a family. We've been picked. We've been chosen to sit at the table. When that gets into your spirit, you realize that there are no excuses. There is no excuse any longer to hold back and hold relationships at an arm's distance. To, 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 there's no excuses. There's, 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 we've, it's time to throw out that thought that God can do something great in those people's lives, but not in mine. Because this is where I come from, or I don't, I'm not in the right family. I, I don't have a, a mom any longer, and so there's no way God could use me to be a great mom to my kids. I just got to do the best that I can. No, no, no. All those excuses get thrown out the window the moment you sit down at His table. Because it's all covered. It's all covered. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.